time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Oh, we're going to hit a home run on today's show. Welcome to another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here with Charles Weldy, founder, certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group. We're online at cpweldygroup.com. On today's show, home run retirement planning, how baseball principles also score financial runs. I'll tell you what, Charles, I didn't know if we were going to be able to do today's show because of all the talk about, you know, baseball locking out and canceling games at the beginning of the season. I thought we're not going to be able to do this baseball show on uh, on, on, on the program today, but they yeah. figured it all out. They're playing baseball. And uh, so we thought that'd be fun to kind of incorporate a little bit uh, here at the beginning of the season into our financial planning. Uh, what, yeah, what are you a big Phillies the, fan? What's 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 your yeah, fandom these days? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a Phillies fan. I was like driving into work today and uh, they said in the radio. They said, hey, 11 days, home opener. So, I mean, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy baseball. I, I enjoy the timelessness of it, going down there, hearing the crack of the bat, eating peanuts, drinking a beer, even though I'm not a drinker. Uh, you know, just a lot of fun. I don't go to as many games, you know, in the last couple of years as I had in the past, but uh, I, I love going down there on a sunny day. You know, they have uh, in Philly, they have maybe a half a dozen business uh, man special where uh, maybe at one o'clock they, you know, they, they play on a weekday. So one of my goals is I'm going to take our staff to uh, see a Phillies game this year, probably within the next, like, you know, a couple months for sure. So oh, I'm that'll be forward fun. to it. Yeah. Uh, baseball games are great for those group kind of outings, you know, they're just, just great to take in with a bunch of people because it's the kind of sport where you can, you can really focus on the game or you can completely not focus on the game and, you know, chat with the people around you and have a good time and, um, it kind of can be very, it can work for all types of people, I guess, is the yeah, nice thing about great. the game. And it reminds me of my dad, you know, he was a baseball coach. He's not here anymore, but you know, a lot of good memories. I mean, today I think they're losing the younger crowd, you know, with playing games at night and, you know, it just doesn't seem to be the excitement, you know, there that, you know, that existed when we were younger, but obviously there's a lot more sports today, Walter, and people are, you know, just more diversified in spending their time. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, I still like going to baseball games in in person, but I don't know the last time I watched one on TV was necessarily, but uh, still a lot of nostalgia built up in the game of baseball. So we thought it'd be a perfect thing to marry with our financial and retirement planning conversation. So after listening to today's episode, this is your warning for today. You may never attend another baseball game with the family and look at it the same way. You're going to see dollars and numbers all over the field next time you see a game. Uh, But I think that'll make it maybe more interesting. Uh, We're going to show you how taking some of the most basic baseball principles can also lead to financial success in your retirement portfolio. So... I've got the peanuts. Do you have some Cracker Jacks ready, Charles? On your I end? certainly do. I okay. certainly do. All right, let's 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 take the financial field, if you will. Right. Uh, the one thing I remember growing up playing baseball that coaches taught us right off the bat, because when you're a little kid, what do you do? You're watching the players on the big screen, and uh, they're hitting home runs, and that's what you want to do. That's what you fantasize about with your buddies and your friends. The first thing the coach has to sort of like unteach you is like, okay. First of all, you're not big enough to actually hit a home run yet. Second of all, it's just not a great way to approach the game anyway. It's it's not all about the home runs. That's sort of like principle number one that we learn as kids. That kind of carries through to the financial world too, doesn't it? I think it does. I mean, I was always taught singles and doubles win ball games. So I think, 
you know, when you look at, you know, uh, I guess your investments from a baseball point of view, we have what we call the pyramid of risk. And the pyramid of risk is really a, a pyramid that has a foundation of safe investments. And they could be cash, they could be fixed annuities, they could be life insurance, things that pretty much aren't going to fluctuate at all. And then in the middle of the pyramid, you might have like uh, mutual funds or exchange traded funds, that type thing where, you know, there's going to be some fluctuation up or down. But generally speaking, you're going to get a higher return because you're willing to take a little bit more risk. And then lastly, at the peak of the pyramid, you'll have maybe alternative investments, which could be like uh, oil and gas, or you might have individual stocks and bonds, which or more um, riskier than, you know, maybe being in a bond fund or a stock fund. So uh, singles and doubles win ball games. Yeah, we like to hit that uh, home run in our in our dreams, and some of us have in real life. But by and large, you have to have a mixture of uh, cash on hand for emergency purposes, maybe some fixed income that's not going to grow that much because you need some consistency in terms of, you know, uh, monthly distributions. And then, you know, the home run would be the, you know, the stocks like uh, over time, historically, they've done, you know, really a lot better than the other two asset classes that I spoke about cash and fixed income. And together, you know, um, perhaps you can create a perfect harmony of like endless income and like, you know, hardly any like um, worrying and, you know, that type of thing, because you're not up the bat trying to like pressure yourself into hitting a home run. You're just out to meet, you know, put the bat on the ball and, and hit a single or double and advance to the next runner. Yeah, play that small ball, and that'll often lead you to a lot more wins than just waiting on that one day when you can hit that big home run. And uh, sure, those feel good when they happen, but if you you tend to strike out a lot with those home run you know goals and home run hitters, and that's not very good when we're trying to build income for retirement and have a steady financial plan that we can rely on. And uh, great lessons to be learned there. All right, something else that we have learned in the game of baseball, particularly if you've seen the movie Moneyball, I think this will apply to folks. Now, uh, I talked to Charles before the show today. Charles, you have to, I feel like this is a, you know, a terrible admission on your part, but I appreciate your honesty. You have not seen the movie Moneyball, right? Nah, I mean, I haven't seen it at all. I heard about it a lot. People who have asked me if I've seen it have, have looked at me in disbelief, like, hey, I missed one of the greatest pictures of all time. And you, Walter, earlier, you know, before this podcast, uh, told me that the book was uh, really good. So, you know, I'm going to on a trip shortly and I might just buy the Moneyball book and read it, you know, on your behalf. Go for it. It's excellent. Uh, the audiobook's good. I don't know if you do audiobooks, but the audiobook's great. I think the author, Michael Lewis, is the one who reads it. So you kind of get to hear it in his voice. I could be wrong on that. I may be mixing that up with another one of his stories, but um, he's got just kind of a cool, unique, distinct voice. So that, that's another good way to take it in. It did get eventually made into a movie, 13 Oscar nominations. It told the story of Billy Bean and the Oakland A's and the method that they took to building a team back in the very beginning of the 2000s, essentially. And the premise of the Moneyball concept, whether we're talking about you know real life, the book, or the movie, uh, the concept is that you should draft, sign, and develop players based on the evaluation of advanced data and statistics. And this was a big contrast when they first started doing this to baseball's more traditional methods where you know scouts uh, didn't really pay attention to the numbers. They tended to gravitate toward just players who sort of looked the part. They'd be like, this guy looks like a baseball player, and I feel it in my gut. He's going to be good for our team. And they'd kind of ignore the numbers. And Billy Bean sort of flipped that on its head and said, okay, let's not worry about 
like the book, there's a great point in the book in the movie where they talk about this guy. He he's a pitcher and he throws the ball really funny. He just looks funny when he throws the ball. He, it's, he doesn't throw it the traditional way, and so he's right. discounted. And Billy Bean goes and picks him up, and he becomes a great pitcher for the team because the stats show he's a great he's a great pitcher. It's just he looks weird when he does it. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, concepts like that in baseball sort of flip the game around a little bit and show that you can win uh, without having the big stars, without having the guys who look the part. So, what's our parallel in the retirement financial planning world? Well, I, I'd say one of the parallels that I'm thinking about as you're mentioning this is um, there's such a thing called evidence-based investing. Have you ever heard of that, Walter, evidence-based investing? Evidence-based investing. Um, I mean, it sounds like a good thing, but it does sound a bit buzzwordy-ish. Yeah, give us some more details. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they got evidence-based medicine. So evidence-based investing is like, hey, uh, there's like this academic uh, company that did all this research. And what they determined was like, hey, over time... Uh, when you look at the stock, well, when you look at the market uh, in particular, that, you know, stocks will be bonds like over time, just about, you know, 100 percent of the time. So there's, a, you know, there, there's nobody will dispute that evidence that, hey, stocks will be bonds over time. That's number one. Number two is that over time, value funds will be growth funds. Right. So, you know, there's two types of investing, investing for growth, investing in value companies that pay dividends and are fairly more stable. Over time, the value outperforms the growth. Uh, it just so happens maybe in the last three to five years, growth has outperformed value. And most people have lost faith in value. But uh, supposedly, you know, looking over a 10-year period, almost like 85% of the time, value will be growth. So that's another uh, evidence-based. Uh, and then lastly, I think, um, I'm thinking of this one company in particular. Uh, the third dimension that they have is... Um, smaller companies will outperform larger companies over time. So when you take that analogy, hey, you know, uh, stocks will beat bonds, value will beat growth, and small companies will beat large companies. What they do is they design models where you invest your equities and over time you will outperform, you know, not only the, you know, well, I don't want to say outperform the general market. You will do better than people that are blindly just investing in, you know, stocks, that have growth and value and not, uh, not, they don't have the enhancement for the small companies and or the value companies. So uh, where am I going with this? I'm just trying to like figure out, um, whatever you look at anything, even evidence-based investing or regular investing, you gotta look at what are the advantages, what are the disadvantages, right? So maybe the disadvantages of um, you know evidence-based investing in this example that I'm giving is like, hey, you know what, the last three to five years, you underperformed, you know, the market because growth was in favor. But, you know, if you really believe that long term, if history is any guide, that value will outperform growth and small companies will outperform large companies, you kind of stay with this and, you know, you ride the, you know, the investment over time. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but like I was always trained like, look, there's no perfect investment. You got to look at what the disadvantages are, what the advantages are, kind of like, uh, you know, internalize that and ask yourself, hey, am I better off, you know, taking this leap of faith in this like evidence-based investment program or am I better off staying where I'm at? What are the advantages of moving? What are the disadvantages of staying? And, you know, I think once you answer those questions, you'll be able to, um, you know, make an informed decision. 
I don't know what else to say except I wish I saw a Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, go well. Go see it. We'll do another episode all about Moneyball and uh, and other financial lessons because there's a bunch of them in there. So no, I think for not having seen the movie, Charles, you uh, you made the connections very smartly there. So I like it. Uh, this next one, you'll have some some good awareness of, Charles, so I'm not worried about you on this next one here. Uh, there is a thing in baseball called the five-tool player, the five-tool player. So uh, what is that in, in baseball, and then what's the what, is there a five-tool like financial plan or five things in financial planning we should look for? Yeah, I mean, uh, baseball, like, you know, you, you know, obviously you want people that are hitting – Hitting well, they're hitting for average power. They they they're good fielders. They have a strong arm. They're they're fast. I mean, they're, they're probably the five tools of a good baseball player. Uh, when you look at a retirement plan, obviously we have talked on many prior podcasts, Walter, about the bucket plan, and the bucket plan really encompasses five tools. And the first tool would be the emergency fund, like the the now bucket, the money that you need currently, you know, for emergency funds maybe for, uh, you know, some additional cash flow for year one, things of that nature. And then maybe the second, um, I guess, tool would be, uh, you know, what do you need for regular income? That would be your soon bucket. You know, we all hopefully at some point we'll get our Social Security check. Some of us are fortunate enough to have pensions, but anything above that that we're spending is called our income gap. And we really need regular income to fund that on a monthly basis. So again, you know, the second tool would be, hey, what's our income gap and what do we need to fund this income gap, say, for the next 10 to 12 years? And then the third uh, tool would be, hey, you know, obviously we can't all have income. We need some to like uh, grow, you know, for a rainy day, for the inflation that we're all experiencing today. And generally speaking, that would be in the later bucket for, you know, growth. It would be generally speaking stock. And then, you know, obviously we also have like, um, you know, the leak in the dike, I called. It's really like healthcare, long-term care. You know, how are we really funding that? Uh, obviously, we're paying for certain things currently, but uh, long-term care is something that maybe some of us will need, some of us will not need. How are we funding that in that later bucket? And uh, I had spoken on an earlier podcast about these hybrid life insurance policies where you can actually invest uh, money over a five to 10 year period of time and allocate that money for, you know, legacy planning for your children, you know, tax-free death benefit, or in the event you need it long-term care, you could access that death benefit while you're alive to really supplement your monthly long-term care need. So, um, you know, uh, a financial plan, a good financial plan will be holistic. It will have, um, you know, income, current income, future income. It'll have growth. It'll have protection. It'll have legacy planning. Uh, it might even have some like tax planning in there to maybe uh, maximize your after-tax return on your income. But by and large, um, you know, a retirement plan, having all these tools is really a valuable resource to have because no matter what markets do and, you know, what's happening outside in the world, if you have a date dollar specific plan that you can use as an anchor, uh, you're not going to be swayed to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Great points all around there, Charles. All right. So I'll leave this last comparison, three good comparisons so far between baseball and financial planning as we kind of ring in the start of baseball season. Uh, this last one will be advisor's choice. So uh, kind of like there's fielder's choice in uh, baseball. This will be advisor's choice. So you get to pick the final comparison. Could uh, could you have any other good uh, layovers between 
uh, baseball and financial planning? Well, I mean, I would just say probably the manager. I mean, you know, even though the manager doesn't get a bat in his hand and hit the ball, the manager is really an important uh, key, you know, for any team. And, you know, uh, being a financial advisor, I feel I'm the manager of, of my client's financial plan. So uh, if the market's down, I mean, I'm not going to panic. You know, I'll, obviously, I want, you know, my clients to uh, experience, uh, you know, a lot of good things in their retirement. But if the market's down, there might be an opportunity as a manager to say, hey, wait, let's take a time out. How about doing a Roth conversion? The market's down 30%. Maybe if we move some of the money to tax-free and pay the toll charge, we just paid a 30% lower toll charge because the market is down temporarily. So that could be a good thing, not a bad thing when the market's down. The market could be up and everybody's elated. Me as a manager, I'm not elated. You know why? Because what goes up must come down. Maybe I call a play and I say, hey, you know what? Let's like consider taking some of these profits off the table and bulletproofing them for future use. Uh, the market's not going to go up forever. Maybe like in our financial plan, we projected a rate of return somewhere in the area of like six, seven percent, and we've done like 12, 15 percent. Hey, I'm not averse to at least asking the client, do you feel comfortable taking some of those profits and taking them off the table and using them in that soon bucket? Uh, and then I guess uh, the other thing, too, is like when nothing's happening, when things seem to be going as planned, uh, a lot of people just have stagnant portfolios. When they retire, they have like one portfolio. It's fairly stagnant. Uh, what I mean by that is not adding to it. Yeah, they're probably taking some distributions from it. But by and large, if they're 50% in stock and 50% in fixed income, nothing's really happening. What we do uh, as a manager is like, hey, we rebalance like once a year, at least once a year. What does that mean? It means that, hey, if the stocks went up, you know, greater than the bonds went up, we rebalance back to that 50-50 balance uh, in order to take advantage of higher prices and lower prices. And again, that analogy there might be like, hey, you know, we need a substitute in left field. Uh, you know, uh, we just don't want to like keep the same person out there. This person's maybe better on defense than uh, just leaving the same person out there. So, uh, you know, my analogy would be a manager and the manager makes decisions. They're not, you know, directly involved in the game, but they're, you know, they got this oversight as a steward of the game, making sure that the team plays to its uh, optimal level and, you know, the manager makes the, the proper choices at the right time. I would say that is a great one to cap it off with for sure. Pulling the right strings at the right time. You need that in baseball from that manager and uh, you need it from your advisor as well, helping you get to and through retirement, making the right moves with your finances and good decisions. If you want to talk to Charles about what that looks like, uh, certainly reach out to him. He's got an office there in Chad's Ford, PA. can start with a simple phone call, though, with 610-388-7705 being your number to call. That's 610-388-7705. Or just go to cpweldygroup.com or check the description of our show today for all contact information and how you can get in touch with Charles. Charles, this is really helpful. Great information today. Uh, I know you're excited for baseball season, so get out there to a few games. Enjoy it. And uh, I said you'll never look at uh, baseball the same way again. You're going to start seeing the, the financial lessons all across the field next game you watch. Let's play ball, Walter. Let's play ball. <laughs> I love it. Uh, thanks, Charles. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening to today's show. We'll talk to you again next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances.
Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.